Psalm 51, written on the, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inward parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. For then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall declare forth your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, and then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you, and then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. We remain standing for our Uh, Gospel reading, which is taken from uh, chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark, and I shall be beginning at verse 9. Praise to you, O Christ, King of eternal glory. The Lord is a great God. O that today you would listen to his voice. Harden not your hearts. Praise to you, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. 
Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Lent indeed is a time when Christians have for many, many centuries called on one another to a particular uh, focus on repentance. I wonder what crosses your mind when you hear the word repentance. Perhaps we think of a one-off thing we do occasionally for the the big sins, the one-off mistakes. Perhaps we think of it as something that is inherently joyless. Perhaps even humiliating. Perhaps even shameful. I was very struck at this week. I read one Bible commentator say this. Repentance from the beginning of time to this present hour has been and remains the most positive word from the heart of God. The most positive word from the heart of God. I think what he means is this. It's striking, isn't it, from Mark's Gospel. When Jesus comes to earth with the kingdom of God in his hands to give, what are the first words of his public ministry? Mark records them for us. The first words of his public ministry, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. In other words, repent, do you see, is an invitation. It's God's invitation from his heart to rebels to turn back to him. That, of course, is what repentance means. It means to return. Many of you all know the Old Testament word for repentance is literally the word shuv. It's the verb to return. Return. When God calls us to repent, he invites us to return home. It is therefore supremely a word of hope. There is a home to return to, Jesus is saying. There is a welcome to be received. God, whom we jilted for other gods, wants us back. Indeed, he invites us back. Repentance is the invitation to reorientate ourselves towards God, to be restored into a relationship with him, and indeed to have our rebellious hearts renewed. 
One person I was reading this week said this, could there be any hope more beautiful than to believe that someday our hearts will be totally free from impurity of any kind? He went on to say, this is the most radical claim of all the claims in the gospel. Repentance is the means by which we receive this hope. And it is the means by which we grow in its fulfillment as we continually respond to God's invitation to return to him. As we daily reorientate ourselves towards him that we might experience his transforming grace that purifies us. A little bit like a flower that daily turns towards the sun that it might be fed by its light. So too God calls us to daily turn, to see afresh his glorious face, and so be transformed. Repentance restores us to the joy of our salvation. It is a sober thing, yes, but it is never shameful. Repentance does not go hand in hand with humiliation, although it does walk with humility. Psalm 51 teaches us something of the way of repentance. It seems to me we learn from Psalm 51 that repentance always begins by taking responsibility. I know, says David, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. We cannot repent of that which we will not own. And so Lent, repentance, uh, is a season of taking responsibility. How often do I find myself justifying myself, excusing myself, rather than taking responsibility for my actions? How often do I find myself thinking, oh, yes, well, I did that because, you know, three kids and they were playing on my nerves. I did that because, oh, you know, my boss. I did that because, you know, that was my upbringing, Or it's my character, you know, I've got a short fuse, always have, always will. Or my circumstances, yeah, well, I acted like that because I was tired. I was stressful. But Lent calls us to take responsibility for our sin. Self-justification may give us temporary respite, but it is fragile and it is fleeting. God calls us to take responsibility, not because he wants to humiliate us, but because he wants to heal us. If you refuse to let the doctor see, if you cover up the symptoms, how can the doctor heal you? So it is with God. And we know this. Why do we do it? Why do we minimize our sin? Why do we excuse it, find reasons for it? Pride, self-protection, a bit of both, I guess. That is why, do you notice from Psalm 51, repentance is always a response to God's grace. Always a response to God's grace. How does it begin? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. It's always a response. Our confidence that our confession will be met by God's life-changing grace. It's not built on anything in us, anything we have done 
Our confidence is built on the unfailing love and the great compassion of our God. That is key. That is uniquely Christian. It is not that our confession wins God's compassion. No, it's the other way around. God's compassion wins our confession. God's kindness coaxes us out of our darkness. There is no need to hide before this God. Repentance involves taking responsibility. It is always a response to God's grace. Thirdly, it recognizes the need for God's recreative power. Create in me, says David, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That is what repentance asks. That is what repentance receives. It's been well said that sin is a matter of the heart before it's ever an issue of behavior. Repentance calls for God's recreative power to remake our hearts. One commentator said this, the word for create here in Psalm 51 is the same word that's used in Genesis 1. Why is this important? Well, because he's appealing to the creator of all things to do exactly what he did as he spoke the physical universe into being. He's asking the Redeemer to exercise the expansiveness of his creative power to create moral purity at the motivational core of his personhood, his heart. David is pleading for a miracle, every bit as astounding as that which is recorded in Genesis 1. He's asking God to create a new moral universe in his heart that doesn't yet exist. And he's asking for this because he knows that unless he is the recipient of such a miracle, he'll never be what he's created to be. And he'll never do what he's been created to do. Repentance asks this, and God answers such a prayer. And what a relief that is. It relieves us as you go through Psalm 51. It relieves us physically, relieves uh, relieves us spiritually. And as Psalm 51 closes, it releases us into ministry. So this Lent, historically a season of repentance, holds out the possibility of restoration, renewal, relief, and release. As our repentance, motivated by the grace of God, is met by the joy of the experience of the ever-compassionate God. The experience of his forgiveness and the experience of his power to renew in the image of his Son. God give us the grace to daily turn afresh to this God. Amen.